Hey there, welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. I'm your host, Chris Desmond. This is a show where I chat with interesting people who do fascinating things and inspire me and hopefully you to get out of our comfort zones. Today, I am having a chat with Fraser Ross, a Pacific purveyor of alt folk music. Now, uh, Fraser is... At as he says, an eccentric folk musician uh, with a loud-shirted presence. He is also the musical colleague of my brother, Jeremy Desmond, who supplies the awesome theme music for the show. So it was cool to have a sit down and have a chat with Fraser today. And we talk a little bit about my brother as well, actually. So today we talk about Fraser's journey into music and into songwriting. We have a chat about his stage terror. So that's like another step up from stage fright. Um, and how he frequently experienced that as he was starting to try to perform. But for some reason, he just kept coming back for more of that terror because he loved music so much. We talk about questioning why. We talk about figuring out what to do to make it work. We talk about the difference between playing solo and playing with a band that you trust. And we also talk about running full tilt into the dark. I really enjoyed this conversation with Fraser. It gets a little bit uh, philosophical at times, um, but I learnt a, a heap about music and the kind of creative processes around music as well. So for those that already have, thank you very much for giving us some feedback, for sharing out episodes, uh, for, for liking and, and leaving a comment. If you like what you hear today, make sure that you share it out with your mates. Thank you very much, as always, for taking the time to get uncomfortable with me and Fraser today. Fraser Ross, welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. Cool to have you out here today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. Thanks. Yeah. Fraser, why don't you start off just with uh, kind of a, a brief history of Fraser Ross for the listeners. Some uh, kind of where you, where you were born, where you grew up, any sort of formative experiences. Right. Um, well, I come from Christchurch or just on the outskirts in a place called Halsall. Grew up on a hill, which is um, an important distinction when you come from Christchurch <laughs> yeah. in the mind of a child. Um, yeah, so I had quite a rural upbringing. My mum is a really big horse rider. She's like thoroughly into dressage, so I spent a lot of boring days at dressage competitions, watching horses go round and round, Yeah, but also playing with kids in the forest looking for 
shotgun shells and all sorts of naughty, you know, nice. other did things you, that you can do. Did you get to play with the horses as well? Uh, it didn't really interest me. I think no. they were too associated with like this sort of obligation to go and do something on a Saturday when I could have been, you know, mucking around with my neighborhood friends. So yeah. I never actually took that much of a, you know, liking to them until I got older. And then I was like, oh, those beautiful, majestic animals. Yeah. And by that time, my mum was like, you're not touching my horses. <laughs> I've ridden, I've sat on a horse twice. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 And I did actually get really enthusiastic, you know, when I was sort of about off to university, but she was not interested in no. me being around her horses at oh, that stage. You'd, she'd, uh, she'd cut you from that already. She'd cut me from that scenario. Yeah, I know. And yeah, horses, I think they're probably, uh, probably the most beautiful animal out there, eh? They're just. Yeah, they like could be healthy, up there. A healthy horse, eh? It's just like so like well muscled and then when you see it move you just kind of see yeah everything everything move they just look so yeah it looks the so strength and, and grace and that yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah. right yeah yeah and like to be around them you just that sort of presence of that that strength that's more than you could mm. muster hey yeah. it's quite yeah i don't know yeah. what you call that not belittling yeah. but yeah definitely humbling yeah i mean i haven't seen every every animal Obviously, but uh, yeah, they're, they're up there for They're up there the for you. Nice. Yeah. yeah. No, I think they're pretty magic as well, eh? But quite, it's quite a thrill, like, you know, the couple of times I did sit on them, and you do get that feeling of like, wow, I'm actually pretty high off the ground here, mm. you know? Mm. So imagining people just thundering along on them, you know, running. So, yeah. Man, there's a real element of courage there that it's hard to appreciate when you're just watching someone on the eh? Yeah, there is. I mean, I've only, I don't think I've ever been on a horse that has gone kind of above a trot which i'm probably pretty grateful for because i was hanging on pretty tight yeah at, that's at good that though. point in time yeah. but uh it was yeah i think that the people that that do that regularly it's it's definitely pretty uh pretty brave yeah it must be a thrill like those you know when you run mm. you know when you're actual jockey eh? yeah you're just thundering along and the person's like right next to you oh my god mm. Yeah, that's those guys have really got you know brave lives. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That wasn't that's an interesting segue actually. Um, to bring it back to let's bring it back to what we. <laughs> so you were yeah. you were hunting in the forest for shotgun shells. Shotgun shells <laughs> while while living in Christchurch and being obligated to to go along to your mum's dressage events. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, but and I was always interested in music. Always used to like playing. Um, well, I always used to pretend to play the guitar, I think, you yeah. know, play cricket bats and mm. I think it's a standard inclination yeah. of musically inclined children, possibly. Yeah. I mean, do you remember kind of when and how you found music? I don't. No, I don't. I remember putting on a show with like a couple of neighborhood kids where we played, you know, cricket bats and I think just mimed along and that was before I knew how to play Mm-hmm. Or anything like that. I remember inviting, you know, doing making up little tickets, inviting all the neighbourhood parents around, and yeah. selling my parents' cask wine and stuff like <laughs> that. You know, I don't know, just something silly. But I don't actually recall. Um, yeah, really a transition. I remember seeing when I was at primary school a person who was the year above me playing the intro to Johnny Be Good at like you know the school yeah. talent quest, and being like, oh my god, that is so cool. Yeah, that is a very cool intro as well. It's such yeah, a good intro. Yeah, yeah. And I remember just thinking, wow. What what age were you then? 
that would be like seven. Yeah. Yeah. Six or seven, actually. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And when did you when did you kind of pick up your first instrument and start playing? I think it would be around about then, because I think I must have just picked it up actually when I saw that. Mm-hmm. I remember because I I have a recollection of being like, "Wow, that person is really good." Yeah. Really good. And um, yeah. So I don't know, six or seven, eh? Yeah. Just used okay. to like mucking around and playing the chords. Yeah. What were what was your first instrument? Guitar. I can pretty much only play the guitar. And I can't even play it very well. <laughs> I've seen you. I've seen you go pretty hard on some uh, percussion-based instruments. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, that came later. Yeah, when I moved <laughs> to Wellington, you know, after after uni or during uni, and um, yeah, I remember my ja- my friend James was starting this community band called the Newtown Rock Steady, which would just be like uh, we'd just play in the Newtown Hall on Friday nights when anyone could come down. It would be free, and it would be just have a go as well. You know, so there were, at times there were like 20 people in that band. Mm. And I remember him telling me, oh, you should come down and play the maracas, eh? I was like, whoa. You know, I was quite new to like taking music out of my bedroom and like playing it, you know, in a social scene. So it was a big deal. I was like, I took it very seriously. Mm. I remember like getting a pair of maracas at the one of the $2 shops in Newtown and standing under the magnolia trees at the end of Newtown. They just happened to be in bloom. I just remember being under that. I'm on the way to this first gig, which was at the Newtown Flats, and like go, trying to figure it all out, eh? Like being thoroughly nervous. But I think I used to just compensate a lack of skill with just like this feverish, nervous energy where, you know, if you've got a loud, yeah. fast-paced band, it probably sounds horrible. It's probably a, akin to um, a drunken person playing a tambourine at a gig, which is a classic scenario. If you play certain pub gigs, <laughs> yeah. people think they're magic at tambourines when they've had a few beers, eh? Yeah, yeah. And sober, you just think, oh, no, that's... Why would you? Why would you want to? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we jump we jump forward a little bit then. So you, you kind of picked <laughs> up the guitar uh, when you were uh, sort of about seven-ish. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of continue to play that all the way through school, but kind of kept that predominantly to yourself. Yep. Yep. Definitely. I do remember, um, I've got the, I've got a couple of old notebooks of maybe when I was in third form of like me writing songs mm-hmm. and I've got all the lyrics written out and the chords that are next to them. So I, and that's sort of a part of my life that I've kind of forgot about mm-hmm. because I did sort of drop the guitar a little bit during high school and after it for some reason or I don't know. Yeah, you don't remember and so, why. I don't really remember why. It just I think my focus became a little bit more academic and a bit more like I want to, well, I just got, you know, channeled into like, you know, go down that road and make some money or something mm-hmm. rather than this just sort of yeah lay passion that I have or, you know. Um, but they're great. They're so emo, eh, like these songs. Yeah. As a young man. And then, yeah, they just sort of dropped out and it wasn't until I sort of was about um, 22 or something like that, um, or maybe a bit younger, maybe like 20, um, I just happened to meet a friend um, who was really into music and he was just sort of like, I'm going to become a musician, you know? Mm-hmm. He's like, and he wanted people in his band. He's like, you should play in the band with me. I was like, oh, Okay. You know, I know how to play guitar, so yeah. I could back him up. And he was sort of really um, encouraging and got me to 
I mean, I really, I probably would have just kept it in the bedroom if it wasn't for, for Maz, eh? Yeah. He really encouraged me to get out. And then I remember we moved to Sydney just after, um, after we met. I was actually studying engineering at the time in Auckland and really I'd been doing it for four years, but really just doing the bare minimum to pass, wasn't really engaging with it. Found it really boring and, um, was sort of getting to my wits end a little bit with it. Um, yeah, and then I met this friend, Maz, and he was like, oh, I'm moving to Sydney, going to play guitar. And I was like, yeah, I think I'll do that too. Yeah. So I went over there and, um, yeah, you know, just started a really a creative life and thinking, well, well, maybe you can do this sort of stuff, you know, just enjoy yourself. Yeah, yeah. I want to... I want to unpack that a little bit more, Fraser. So you went to you went to university <laughs> to study engineering. Kind of what do you remember? Kind of the thought processes that took you there to start with. To start with, well, I at school I'd studied all the sciences. I'd become very much like into that. I didn't really like English or anything like that. I love classics, but I just thought I was quite sort of taken with like going down a road where I'd make lots of money, basically. Mm. And it was like science, it's real, it's rational. I can like, this is the way to go. I didn't really have any passion for like engineering or I think I sort of looked at maybe doing medicine as well, but um, just missed the boat, I think, on applying a little bit for that mm -hmm. and then ended up applying for engineering just because it was science. And I really enjoyed science at, at school. I think chemistry was probably my favorite paper, I don't know. It's just something about it. it was just, you know, you just learn it and it's very like, I don't know, just because it's so this rational makes and it, it makes sense yeah. and it's like, it's just logical, you know. It was a bit less, I found English and all those arts like just too airy-fairy or something mm -hmm. for me at that time. And so, yeah, I went to Auckland and um, just went up there to study engineering. And I actually remember thinking, because I studied really hard at school, I tried, you know, thought it's very, very serious, you know, it's like, got to really try hard at school, you know, because it's very important. Mm. And then I remember just sort of after the final exams of, you know, seventh form, just sort of having this like, what was the point of all that? And then just sort of losing some sort of, um, I don't know what you call it, like some sort of belief in like, you know, just sort of thinking maybe it wasn't that big a deal. Yeah. Or something. Was it belief kind of in the in the formal education process, do you think? Or Yeah, I think so. And also just a little bit of an unquestioning of like authority and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Just being very much like influenced by like what I was told by authority figures and being like, Yeah, okay, I'll do that. And just sort of blindly doing that and trying to do my best and then just having this sort of release where it was like what was the actual point of that? It doesn't make any sense to me at the yeah. moment. And so I remember thinking I'll go to um, university and study engineering, but I'll just sort of muck around and have a bit of fun. Mm. And I don't know, it just led me, yeah. Yeah. And then, so you're, you were kind of already questioning things at that at that age of sort of 17, 17 or 18, but you kind of continued on the, with that path yeah. in, in a way, but ended up becoming kind of disenchanted with it really over I'd over say a so yeah. Years. yeah yeah actually I think a formulative thing actually on that was in the seventh form I studied classics mm -hmm. you know we looked at Socrates and you know his yeah. whole philosophy on like we don't know anything and I remember that that sort of sticks with me as being like a real a seed of you know 
that was planted that just started really breaking down, I guess, all my old beliefs. Mm. So that was quite, you know, it was a great thing to really come across. So be like, hey, I don't know anything. Just really that questioning of like, why do I believe that? Mm. Why? I only really, yeah. Yeah. Just unpacking all these things that I'd heard. And- yeah. I think that they're very important questions to, to be asking as well. And I've had, had kind of similar com- threads of conversation with, with other people, especially around, I mean, you kind of operate from an area, um, when you, when you don't know much or when you're just starting out, that it's, it's very fixed. You think, oh, yeah, I know, I know all this. I've, I've got this. But as, as you learn and as you acquire more knowledge, you actually kind of realize how much there is that you don't know. Yeah, it is. It's that, that classic sort of story, isn't it? Yeah. Of like, I guess of life, eh? You know, mm. when you're young, you're like, I know it all. Yeah. And now that we're old and wise. It's- now that we're old and wise, we're like, <laughs> we're, I'm an idiot. Yeah. I know nothing. <laughs> um, so the move to, the move to Sydney, was that a pretty spur of the moment thing? That you just kind of got wrapped up in Maz's excitement and, and basically, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I guess so. But I was sort of at the end of my tether, and you know, it felt really right. And it, I think, you know, I think it was mm. really right. You know, yeah. Did you sit and ponder on it for a little while, or did you just actually go uh, for it? Yeah, I think I probably pondered it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think he probably just said, "I'm going," and he went for a few months, and then I was like, "Yeah, I think I'm going to go join you." At the end yeah. of the year, at the yeah. end of the school year, I was like, "Yeah, I'll go do that." Had you finished your degree at no. that stage? No. No, I did four years of an engineering and economics yeah. degree. How did everyone around you react to you going at that point in time? My parents were pleased. They were like, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly why we wanted you to go to university for four years yeah. and then drop out. No, but they were actually relatively, I don't know, they were relatively supportive. Yeah. They did convince me though after a year in Sydney to come back and um, get a degree. Yeah. So I changed and I came back um, and studied English. Okay. Yeah. So I did English and economics because I only had like a couple of economics papers to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. And um, and what what drew you to English at that point in time? Because, I mean, you didn't, you didn't like it at high school. Didn't like it at high school because I'd started writing songs again. Okay. And all, yeah. it, all of a sudden words have become very much like this, you know, it just seemed like a very natural interest, but like I spent a lot of time writing songs and just thinking about words was, you know, where I was at, I guess, at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so going to university and studying something that I was interested in, I was like, oh my God, university is awesome. Yeah. These people are amazing that have all this knowledge about the, you know, what I'm interested in. Yeah. And then just for me, you know, studying English, just seeing how um, writers, would convey meaning in all these different ways, which had never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Just all these different ways of like adding depth to your writing and stuff like that. I was like, oh my God, there are so many amazing people out there doing all this awesome stuff. And it was, I just found it completely inspiring. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. And so university became like really interesting. Mm. And I think, I mean, it's kind of a, a different approach with that as well as that you're, um, well, you should be probably learning, trying to learn for understanding at, at high school as well, but learning for understanding and developing skills that you're interested in at, at university compared to kind of that more prescriptive-based yeah. learning that sometimes occurs in, in schools for passing the exam at the end of the year. Yeah, just to sort of, yeah, 
get sort of merit or credit or something, eh? Or like, mm. yeah, it's a different buzz. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Sydney kind of uh, re-inspired your the creative aspects of yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Just all of a sudden, it was like, okay, this is what I want to be doing. I think, eh? Yeah. And were you you kind of jumped into a, a creative lifestyle? Were you just doing? creative things or are you, you i mean working? i was working yeah i mean i had to make money yeah what did you work as i started off over there my first job was terrible like walking around manly beach in this hot sun with this huge battery pack on and like a tv screen above my head trying to get people to sing playstation it was like <laughs> working for a promotions company yeah you know that's the token job that anyone can get yeah and it was horrible was it like singstar singstar yeah. something like that yeah yeah Awesome. How, so, yeah. How were the singers? I can't remember. They were probably fine. <laughs> yeah. I remember someone trying to get, well, the person I was working with, we did a sing off together, but that was when I was just too nervous to sing in yeah. front of people. And he whipped me and it, I got like a horrible. <laughs> I was just like, oh. Yeah. I always used to lose sing star, which, yeah, like when you consider how musical my brother is. Yeah. It's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> um, Oh, he would have been dominating that in the Disney yeah, household, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, he just every time I battled him, he scored every <laughs> time. Um, and I think Matt, Matt did as well. Actually, he's he was a better singer than I am. Um, God damn! So coming coming back, you've um, you've kind of found something that you're you're a bit more passionate about, um, and then kind of went through finished year finished year English. And uh, economics degrees, and where did the where did you kind of road take you then? Um, I went and did a post grad diploma in teaching, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I just well, I was sort of you know not you know slightly encouraged into it, I guess, by my parents and stuff, thinking you know you should try and get like a job, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you can't walk around with a PlayStation on your head for the rest of your life, but. Um, I did that for half a year. I did one placement down. I thought this was really smart because I was living in Wellington and I got a my you know intern placement. You do seven weeks in your first half a year, and I got it at Golden Bay High. Awesome. So I flew down there and um, spent like a couple of months in the bay teaching at Golden Bay High and hanging out with a few people I knew down there. And I really loved the Golden Bay, so it was it was awesome. And for the most part, it was actually really enjoyable, but I did have one class of fourth formers in this English class and they just wouldn't have a bar of a day. You know, it's like in the fourth mm. form, you know, yeah. sort of a bit of a rogue. You got, you got no need to learn, really, eh? Just yeah. being cheeky. And I I didn't I – don't, I don't personally have that authoritative sort of – or I definitely hadn't developed it at that stage and I just got basically walked over by these kids and I just thought to myself well this isn't really for me I don't really see myself you know wanting to learn and try and make these kids learn this prescribed syllabus which personally I found really boring when I was at school as well and it just seemed all pointless Mm. to me I'm just too much of a like not anti-authoritarian but like a little bit like I mean why are we teaching these kids all these silly things and like they'd be like why do we need to learn what a verb is and I'd be like uh, yeah, it's a good point. I can't answer that. So it yeah. really wasn't for me. I dropped out after half a year. Yeah. 
Did you find the syllabus boring going back and teaching it? Yeah. 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 That dry sort of mechanical stuff was really, yeah, I don't know why. I just really don't like it. Mm. I didn't mind the economics, actually. Teaching that was kind of interesting. But that's a little bit more like, you know, when you're learning fundamentals about economics, it's very much like if you don't know anything about economics, it is quite relevant to your life, you know. Mm. It's interesting to think about, you know, because you, you get a bit more of a picture of how the world, I don't know, sort of works in a very sort of some sort of fundamental or basic capitalism, you know, because we live in a capitalist society, learning about how that functions is like, it's relatively beneficial to you, mm. you know. It, you can apply it to your, your day-to-day existence. Yeah, your day-to-day existence. Yeah, learning about a verb or something, it just, it just seems quite irrelevant to me. Mm. Well, to a lot of kids as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. You're not going to be a writer or a... Yeah. And even then create you don't... songs. Yeah, or create songs. But even then, I don't really think in terms of... Well, maybe you do. I don't know. Mm. Would it? Uh, do you think kind of... Obviously, you going back to university and kind of working through almost kind of the, the mechanics of how people constructed stories and uh, and yeah, stories is probably a good word for it. Um, do you think kind of the the fact that you've done that so many times and you had an ingrained knowledge of that means that how you do it subconsciously now? As opposed to uh, having to having to think about kind of the the mechanics of it. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I'm not sure. It's hard with songwriting, I guess, because songwriting sort of changed to me as well. Where it's I don't know. You hear this a lot from songwriters. It's like you're a little bit, in some ways, not guided by. Um, like a narrative or like, you know, like a straight plane narrative because you sort of, you have sounds which are like your governing body. In some ways you might be like, rather than having like, t- trying to tell a story, you have like sort of a, the amount of syllables in a line that there can be and there's probably amount certain vowel sounds that you want to be in there. Mm-hmm. And so you have all these really limiting sort of things which aren't really to do with, I don't know, I just think I've sort of changed. It's not really so much about, yeah, like the way that a, an author, you know, would write something where it's really got to be something that's intellectually like something that you can grab onto. With songs, it's a little bit, you're a bit less in need of that, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. people's songs are, I mean, I personally don't really listen to the words when I first listen to a song, you know. Mm. I just, they just don't want to, I just don't want the words to ruin a song, basically. Okay. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know. No, no, no. That's, I, uh, I mean, that's a, a cool way to look at it, actually. And I mean, it's not, obviously, kind of, I'm around the, around the music with, with Jeremy playing and, um, the rest of my family's reasonably musical, but it's not kind of a, a topic that I've, the actual construction of a song that I've I've ever thought much about. So Yeah. It's interesting to kind of hear your hear your take on it. Yeah, right. Yeah, well yeah. I don't know. It's hard to know. I don't know if I can say anything interesting that somebody probably hasn't already said before either. So yeah. Oh, can any of us though? Well another sock based question for you. Yeah, possibly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Fraser I mean 
you kind of started getting creative. When did you when did you really kind of jump back into into music? Uh, I'm not sure. I'd probably probably during that Sydney thing, it was mm-hmm. just all of a sudden I became aware that my sort of you know my root and desire was kind of to write songs that was like kind of what I felt was my you know would give me the greatest pleasure Mm -hmm. and happiness you know like finishing a song or writing a song I found it just just really enjoyable just of you know for whatever reason I was like this is really this is really enjoyable yeah and like um finishing a song you know especially one that I thought was you know good that would give me a you know a great sense of satisfaction, you know, for a mm. day yeah. or two. And then be like, yeah, I'm like I need to write another one. one. Yeah. yeah. And it's just what I felt was like, you know, you know, like you're calling or something like that. And nothing else really seemed to matter. Yeah. And I, um, I probably took that a little bit far and became quite, um, I wasn't the um, greatest contributor to the economics of, uh, you know, the New Zealand GDP at that time. I, um, yeah, would just work as a nanny, do cash jobs, and then I was on the dole for a while, just, you know, pretending to look for work, basically, mm-hmm. and and having this sort of like, I guess like an airy-fairy sort of idea that I'm a songwriter, you know, and that's what I'm doing. So yeah. I am doing my work for yeah. the universe. But I think that became... I probably became a little bit disjointed from um sort of a little ungrounded, you know, because I think there's something um incredibly beneficial to a human to have that sort of grounding and like you know you you know looking after yourself and like although it might be making money and that might be i mean probably at the time I was like making money is not cool, you know that is not what I'm about. Something like that, just looking yeah. at it in the sort of looking at it in the wrong way rather than looking at it as like you know, looking, you know, because you're just creating basically f- freedom for yourself as well when you're contributing, making money, and I don't know, something about it that's like there's something in I don't know, I'm not articulating this well at all, Chris. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right, mate. There's something, yeah, not noble, but like something you know, mm. very human about looking after yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think it gives you a, a bit of a sense of purpose as well with it. Um, and the, hey, I'm, um, I'm contributing and I can support my, myself. You can support yourself, yeah. I, I have that kind of independence there that I can, I can utilize. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and that that help that really helps with your with your mood. I think. Eh? Mm. I think towards the end of that sort of part of my story, I was starting to get like probably a bit depressed about you know where I was and stuff. Just because you eventually feel a bit, you're a bit in the current, you know, and you don't. You're mm. a bit at the whim you're of everything. Kind of you're just kind yeah. of floating along, yeah. And so, like, yeah, getting that grounding and sort of, like, you know, building yourself a keel that you can, like, navigate through the waters a bit better was, you know, definitely found that great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? 
So how did that how did that process look for you going from that kind of drifting to continuing to use the the nautical medical metaphors, building building that keel and and kind of sailing through, continuing to sail through life. Yeah, well, I probably started when I went to Scotland a few years ago. I went and uh, I went over there chasing a a young Scottish lassie, and um, who I'd met in New Zealand. And um, once I got over there, it was immediately apparent that it wasn't going to work between us. And so I was sort of all on my own and like didn't have any of the, you know, comforts of, you know, living in your own country mm. and having your, you know, whatever you call that, your social, you know, networks around you yeah. to sort of help you. And so I sort of just had to pull my thumb out basically. Just otherwise I didn't have any money and I was – all alone and stuff like that. Yeah, that support network that you kind of could rely on back here wasn't... It wasn't there. And then, like, my home life was really bad because we were living together. And so, like, work became, like, a bit of a sanctuary, Mm -hmm. which, yeah, which was weird. And it was amazing. And I ended up playing lots of music over there as a pub singer. And then that was really fulfilling and awesome for a while. Um, Just spending heaps of time traveling around Scotland. It was great for me as a musician, like, sort of rather than being an airy fairy songwriter became more of a performer and like could do the actual parts of you know playing music that would um i don't know allow me to be a person that writes songs and performs them rather than just somebody who writes songs in their bedroom mm. but really yeah yeah because when when you were in new zealand were you still we you were writing songs but were you performing i was performing yeah yeah i was performing but it was um i just don't think i really had any any real skills it was all just sort of like scary and just ungrounded and like Mm -hmm. i don't know Mm -hmm. didn't have like an element of professionality to it which yeah probably yeah benefit from like as you started to to perform um what kind of stuff were you feeling as you, as you thought, okay, I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna get up there and I'm gonna, and play in front of people. How did that make you feel at the at the beginning? At the beginning, out? terrified, absolutely yeah. terrified. So my first live performances go like this: uh, playing in a rock quest band at school, playing the guitar, um, getting on stage at rock quest and being so frozen with fear, I just turned my guitar completely off, looked at my feet and just froze up. And then I did that again at another rock quest. Same story, just frozen with fear, turn the guitar down, look at my feet, shuffle off. Then I didn't play in front of people until when I was in Sydney. Maz encouraged me to play at an open mic. Had a song, went to perform it, completely froze up. I think I must have been shaking because it felt like the microphone was like this porpoise just bouncing into my lips and like I couldn't sing sort of started playing guitar, just sort of turned around, looked at my amp, turned my guitar down, walked off, just kind of like frozen with fear. And then it was actually at a open mic that was run by some friends the week after that happened when I was in Sydney, mm-hmm. which was a very like arty and like just a very, just something about the atmosphere was quite open. It was like everybody come and share something, you know, and I got up and I sang and, I did actually sing the song and it was just like, whoa, 
I did it. Yeah. Bloody did it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, how did you feel after that? Pretty stoked? Pretty stoked, I think. I think I was just like, wow. Yeah. But then it was a slow road. I mean, I don't think I played any other gigs in Sydney that was sort of near the end of my Mm -hmm. time there. And I do remember coming back from Sydney and I was in Auckland, you know, visiting my old friends and we went out down Ponsonby Road and there was an open mic there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I've played in front of people now, you know. Yeah. I'm going to get up and sing a song. And then I think I just, I do remember being like, oh my God, I actually put my name down. Now I'm really nervous again and started drinking, you know, to compensate. And I do remember getting up there and playing and again, sort of freezing and not really knowing what to do and not being able to play. And the guy came and took the guitar off me and I was wearing this. I remember I must have been wearing this like brightly colored, you know, t-shirt. And he goes, that's enough rainbow man. And he just took, (laughs) took the guitar off me. And I remember I couldn't go to work the next day. I was just so like, oh my God, you're such an idiot. I remember just being too depressed to get up and go do my job at Auckland City Council. Yeah. So it was actually just a whole series of really horrible experiences, basically, Chris. Why did you keep going back to it? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Because I really love writing songs. That was Mm. my, like, you know, that was the way the drive of my life really was. And it just seemed like something I had to do. I was like, I've just got to do it, you know, regardless of the fact that it's absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And when you get up on stage now, are you comfortable with it? Depending on the environment, yeah. Sometimes I can be just like not scared at all, especially now playing in the band, you know, with Jeremy and stuff. It's like, because I kind of trust that we have a good time and we play the songs well, mm-hmm. yeah, don't really get too nervous. Yeah. It's only really if I feel I'm not invited to sing that I don't feel nervous. Like if it's our show and we're playing, it's like I'll get up there and do a show, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Some situations it's weird, but. Yeah. How did you how did you develop that that comfort with it? Was it just that continual repetition of yeah? I think really, so. Really scared. I think so. Yeah, because I think it would have been even up until going to Scotland, and it was just when I was in Scotland that was the only way I could make money was being a you know a pub singer. Um, and I happened to luckily get some pub gigs through like a friend of a friend. So I had like two or three gigs a week in these different bars in St. Andrews in Scotland. And um, yeah, just out of pure necessity, I guess it was like I just had to do it and I did it. And then eventually it just became very doable mm. or something. Yeah, yeah. You All of a sudden your comfort I was, zone expanded into yeah. to encompass that. Yeah, and you just you get used to the feelings or something, eh? And I guess once you have like a technical, or you feel that you have a technical proficiency, you know, you can just trust in that, and you can, I don't know, mm. just the not muscle memory, but like something about that. It just it's just there, yeah. And you're like, yeah, okay. But it always it's always a little bit nerve wracking if you haven't played in a while. I think you know. Mm. I don't know, don't know why, but like going on tour. It's great being on tour, you know, because you sort of you played for like the last, you know, 10 nights and then you're like, it's another night. Yeah. 
what's the what's the first night of tour like? Oh, that's probably fun too. I mean, yeah, tours are just I don't know. I really like that as well. I like that rolling into town, you know, playing a gig and then you're kind of just immersed in the experience of it. Yeah, but I don't know. It's probably a bit weird, like because we haven't played as a band for a while now, and we've got a gig in a couple of weeks in the Hawks Bay, and um, I don't know. Maybe it'll be a bit nerve wracking. Because we don't get to practice because we're in different cities, so it'll be a little bit nervy like that. But it's one of those things as well with performing. I think it's nerve-wracking up until the time that you do it, mm-hmm. maybe, a little bit. Yeah. And then you like get on stage and you're like, yeah, Once. I'm home again. Yeah, it actually feels like home now. Okay. So that's the cool. least nervous place I could be is on stage. Really? In yeah. some ways, yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. So the... The nerves are kind of there up until up until you start, and then they just kind of dissipate. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Unless I do something that I feel is like not good, and then the nerves will come back. Yeah, like I've got this real thing at the moment. Well, it's more when I'm playing by myself. But if I try and do like a funny song and then a serious song, I can't quite do that. I don't know why. Something mm-hmm. about playing like a silly song, especially to people who haven't really heard you. And then trying to play a serious song, it's like you just hear this murmur in the crowd. Why well, tend to? Yeah. Or I don't. I find it hard to get into a serious song after a funny one. Okay, so you need to play that serious one first, really. Yeah, basically. If you're I mean, I can it. do it that way. Yeah. Yeah, you can easily do it that way. It's good because you know that can. That's what's great about comedy is like if you build tension or you build like a serious atmosphere, then the comedy really. It's just like a release valve and it's really like you can really build it up and it can really make that funny song really rip, you know, because people need that kind of release. They're like just the letting go of all those, I don't know, slightly serious emotions. Mm. Great. Yeah. But it's hard. Yeah, I find it hard to go back the other way. But it's something I'm, you know, I want to work on. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's like going back to the start. Like I just keep ruining it. But for some reason, I want to figure out, yeah, what it is I need to do to make that work. Yeah, and I think so, given the the process that you've been through with, with the challenge of actually getting up in front of performing in front of people, it's I think this one's uh, definitely going to be something that you that you figure out. Well, figure it out at some point, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, it's funny though. Way before you figure something out, you just like. I really just can't see how I'm going to do this. Yeah. It's weird. It's like building at the moment, you know, because I'm working on this house, this earthquake damaged house, and it's just like there's so many challenges. I'm just like, how am I going to do this? Like I've got all this rotten, you know, the bottom plate of the house, the Mm. bottom of the walls are all rotten because they built them on the ground back in the day. And I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to lift the house up so that I can put a new one under it. And it's just like don't know how I'm going to do this but I've managed to do it in two little bits of the house and now I've just got like this other bit it's just so weird life isn't it you know how you're like you're just running into the dark the whole time yeah yeah that's a that's a really great uh, great metaphor for it isn't it just running into the going into the unknown yeah with it. and um, I mean I'm sure with with the house as well is that you have at the start, you came up against challenges that you thought, oh, how the hell am I going to do this? And then looking back on it, you're like, oh, I did it. 
that actually wasn't. It wasn't even hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just took a bit of it. Just took a bit of effort. Yeah, just took effort. That's exactly it. Eh? Yeah, I think sometimes we get kind of so caught up in the in the planning stage of it that we just really we create a lot of kind of anxiety for ourselves around that mm. as well. But actually, when you get in there and do do the things. Um, Actually, you kind of it just all starts to it starts to flow and it starts to come together and yeah, yeah. If you need to kind of shift a little bit, then you then you shift and kind of like you were saying with the music is that you kind of sometimes you're nervous until you until you get up on stage now and actually start. Mm. Um, it's kind of a kind of a similar similar thing. It's that sort of contemplation about what you're going to do. And then actually once you start doing it, everything kind of fades away. It was like playing playing sport for me is that there were always there were always nerves before the game. Mm. And then once you once you start and you have your first touch or you do the do the first thing, it all kind of fl- just drops away and you get into a bit of a flow state with it that that concentration that hey I'm I'm in this I'm in the moment now and I'm just I'm just doing it the nerves aren't there until yeah it's some, just the some, game yeah something something happens um and then they kind of the nerves build back up a little bit for you but then as you get back into it and keep going they'll they'll just drop off yeah yeah it's funny that day hey? mm. you just got to dive in hey? it's just that jumping Jumping off the precipice, eh? Yeah. Being like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that, eh? And it just, uh, you know, there's nothing like that um, ability to just let yourself fail or something. Just don't be so caught up on a day and be like, just do it and suck at it. And just, who cares, you know? At the end of the day, like, you just, you just, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to tell myself that my new my new goal well my new thing at, in music at the moment is like releasing music probably mm-hmm. not the actual physical like playing live it's like yeah. doing the like um you know recording an album and like actually releasing it and sending it to like critics <gasps> you know and putting it on radio and it's just like oh man that's really scary to me at the moment eh? yeah yeah. I was, I was going to ask you about that actually. How how you feel when you when you're putting something out there, and is it is it kind of similar to that getting up on stage initially? Is that yeah? I think so. Throw it out to yeah the the public. Yeah, and I've never really done it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like we've done, I've recorded three what you'd call albums, I guess, but I've never like released them technically, mm-hmm. apart from at gigs. I'd sell them. Yeah, but I've never like um you know done it boring things of like a press release and sending yeah. it to critics and like actually the f- things that you do if you want to be a professional musician, mm. like getting it out there and saying, really putting your name in the ring yeah, and yeah. being open to people being like, ah, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do not <laughs> Keep read, building. Do not read the stuff. Keep comments, building, so. mate. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think that's, that's interesting as well, kind of going from, from the gig where you're playing in front of people that you can actually see and are physically present mm. to putting something out. Um, obviously these days in online, but also mm. kind of in, in CD format or things that, so people, anonymous people that you don't know and then you don't get a chance to interact with are going to listen to your stuff and, 
and hear your yeah. stuff and you think, oh, jeepers, what's this person in, um, what's this person in Vietnam going to think of it? Yeah, totally, yeah. eh? Thankfully, it's my parents that are listening. Yeah. To Vietnam, so hopefully, it's uh, hopefully it's okay. Um, mm, but yeah, that's a that's another that's another challenge. How are you going dealing with that at the moment? Well, I'm just trying to take it step by step and doing things as sensibly as I can. Like um, I've just got to record the album, so um, we're working on that over winter. Just trying our hardest to make it sound nice, I guess you know, or good, something that we like, and then I'm just going to engage, you know, professional people to help with the release of it, you know, like publicists and um, whatnots, and then, you know, just send it to critics and blogs, which is, a you know, that's sort of the way it works online these days, mm. I, I believe. And also just kind of, you know, looking into all these things. This is all stuff that I probably didn't know or I haven't ever, like, opened up to before probably just been too nervous to be like I'll, I'll make the cd and that's great you know and then just like i'll sell it at gigs and like yeah. you know that'll be that yeah and now it's like well who cares you know i guess i'm just a little bit like they can only not like it i guess you know and i kind of want to find out mm. you know yeah it's like if, if this horse is dead you know or if it's you know yeah if it's yeah. meant to be killed mm. Yeah. You can just come and kill it. I don't. I don't care. Yeah, and I mean, you're at the end of the day, you're not going to ruin anyone's life by having them listen to your stuff and not like it. No, no. All that's going to happen is, you know, yeah. I don't know. I might be like, oh well, people don't like it. Yeah. It'll probably feel sad for like a day, <laughs> and then you'll wake up and it'll be a new day. Yeah, it'll it'll pass. Yeah, yeah. So Fraser, I want to pivot a little bit. Um, still talking, still talking music, um, but you've got a probably in this day and age a reasonably unique musical sound. Uh, mm. How would you how would you describe the music that you that you like to play? Oh, I don't know. Um, it's always such an awkward thing, hey, to think about what your uh, your sound is as a musician. Um, I guess I probably do have slightly eccentric, um, lyrics. Would that be right? You know, like sometimes I have meowing in them. Yeah. Or duck noises. <laughs> but that's actually only a few sort of songs. Um, I mean, I think this sounds probably quite a classic sort of, um, you know, indie sort of folky mm-hmm. thing, but it does actually have like a little bit of an Afrobeat sort of influence in it now with the band. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it could be called quirky-ish, like lyrically, but I think musically it sounds, I don't know, sort of normal. It's, it's sort of hard to judge. Yeah, it's just music. It's just rock, basically, yeah. I guess you'd call it, you know. I, yeah, I don't know. That stuff is always so bizarre to me. I think I started off wanting to, um, certainly aesthetically, I wanted it to sound rough and kind of, um, what do you call it? Not immature, but kind of like, um, like it was done by somebody who didn't really know how to play. Yeah. In some way. Almost but amateur. Almost amateur. Yeah. I kind of liked this kind of playing with this idea that like maybe, 
if you really listen to it, you could tell that these were good songs, but off the bat, you'd be like, yeah, this sounds quite, quite bad, quite kind of shabby. Okay. I don't know. That was just something that really appealed to me, just mm-hmm. as an idea, um, just aesthetically at the start. And maybe that was sort of a way of hiding as well. I don't, I don't know why it's sort of like, if you're not aiming for anything that could be, you know, neatly called like perfect or at least well presented, then I guess you can't fail. So it's sort of a bit of a fail safe mechanism to like mm-hmm. just be aiming for this rough, this rough sound. I don't know. In a purely present, presentational sort of sense, you know, like in the writing phase, I want the songs to be, really good, you know, and strong and coherent and like things that are great. But then in the performing stage, maybe because I had less, you know, um, belief in my abilities, I thought I'd just aim for something that sounded, at least in my own head, I'd be like, oh, I'm happy with this sort of sounding bad, you know, mm-hmm. as a way of like not failing, yeah, possibly. But now that I'm playing with, um, you know, this new band with your brother and um, – Jackie and Olivia, these two great um, bassists and drummers, it's like I kind of want it to sound great and I just feel like they're so good at what they do. I don't know. It feels like this whole new phase of like trying to actually sound professional and good and it's like, yeah, let's just go for it. Mm -hmm. Make it sound, I think, just a bit more like traditionally well-presented, good, danceable. Or, you know, moving. I don't know. Yeah. Just try and make it sound normal and good rather yeah. than being like trying to do some weird artistic, like, yeah. So the, the, the approach to it's kind of evolved over over time and how you're, how you're wanting to sound. Yeah, know. definitely. And I'm getting a less inclined to make like singer-songwritery like um, you know, sort of slightly melancholic, like music that you listen to and you find is really personal, you know, which I love listening to, you know, by yourself on your headphones, you know, where you really feel like you're connecting with this other human who's writing these things or something. Now I want it to be like upbeat and dancey, or just a bit more fun or something mm-hmm. and a bit more rambunctious and have a bit more power when you play live and, I don't know why. It's just like this inclination I'm having. As I get older, I don't want it. Yeah. Well, it's just evolving, I guess. eh? Yeah. You know, you get bored of doing the same thing. Mm. Everything has to keep evolving. Otherwise, it'd be just, yeah, there's only so much you can dig out of one little corner of the room, I guess. Yeah. Do you think that you, part of the reason that you are moving into this kind of livelier, uh, more sort of group engaging kind of songwriting is because you're become more confident performing? Possibly, yeah. I feel more like I can hold my own playing with those people, maybe. A little bit like, yeah, like I can do this and we can, yeah. I can be the singer and, you know, play my rhythm guitar and, you know, we can make this all work. And it's just such a joy, like playing, um, yeah, music with other people. It really just... Just the enjoyment, the buzz is just, mm-hmm. it just, for me now, it just gives me so much more of a thrill, yeah. I guess, than playing by myself. Playing by myself feels a bit like a sketch, 
or something, like a black and, you know, just like a little pencil sketch. And then, yeah, playing with the band, it's like this big, bright, colourful, you know, impressionistic thing. And you're like, wow, you f- I really feel like I'm part of something great. just gives me these great thrills. And plus it's sort of like, I don't know, when you're playing with really good people, when they're doing something that's really good, you kind of feel like you're doing it as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm always getting your brother to do these guitar solos and like I feel like I'm doing them a little bit, which I love because I love guitar solos, but I can't do them at all. Eh? He gets, I think he gets quite sick of me. Trying to, like, I think this is a good time for a solo. Eh? Yeah, yeah. So like I've just had a solo in the last nine songs. <laughs> he, do, I, I think he enjoys solos. Eh? Yeah. Every, every time I go and watch him play, like every second song, he's doing solos. <laughs> he's probably just pressured into it by those around him. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, he's great at it. He is. He's very good. I, I really enjoy. I really enjoy. Yeah, he's got a great him. tone. Mm. Um, so that I, I like your I like your analogy as well as playing by yourself. So like that that pencil sketch and then playing with with other people is the kind of that that full color picture. Mm. So how does how does it go from playing with other people to playing for other people? Does that kind of add another layer to the to the picture, or are you just really? In what sense, like you know, for, for a crowd or for for a, for a crowd or for a for an audience? Oh, it just makes it way way more fun, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like it, you can have really good jams, you know, yeah. when you, there is no one around, because there's something you know just intrinsically nice about or connecting playing music. But then again, yeah, there's just the different energy. I don't know what it is yeah. when you play music. Eh? You just sort of just people's juju, yeah. everyone in the crowd, you know, yeah. if you're connected. Are you you kind of, when you're playing for people, are you sort of aware of how the music kind of manipulates the atmosphere and the and kind of the, the emotions of the crowd as well? And do you kind of try and tailor that for them? Um, A little bit. What do you mean? Like try and make them feel a certain way? Or yeah. Yeah, I guess so, but you're kind of limited because there's, you know, you know, so many songs, you know, X amount of songs, and all, mm. each song will do a different thing. So I guess you can guide, you know, like doing a, a big meal. You know, you have like an entree, and you'll you'll design the whole meal so that it will start somewhere and go somewhere else, and then end somewhere. But you're limited in what you can make people feel. I guess by the songs that have been written. In some way. But yeah, I am always aware of it, you know. I think it's like, I mean, just very simplistically, we start um, with slower songs and then end with faster songs. Just so it feels like, as a dance band, you know, things are just going to get, you know, more and more exciting. Stuff like that. But not so much thinking about emotionally how people are feeling with each song, which I think is more what you do when you're playing by yourself a little bit because you have less of a, it's less about making people dance and it's more about a a cerebral or emotional, I don't know, sort of ball game, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, you're always kind of aware of what a song's going to do, either about how it's going to make them their bodies feel or how it's going to make their hearts and heads feel a little bit. Have you ever been kind of really surprised by the the reaction to one of your songs or just really really excited by it when you've when you played it live for people for the first time 
Um, yeah, I guess so. Um, because you, you you don't really it's hard to put your finger on um, you know what it is that a crowd is doing, but you just kind of know when it's going over. You know, I guess you feel more energy. Yeah, or something. You just feel like this is working. You don't really know why, but you're like, yeah, this is good. Mm-hmm. But I always like that. I like playing a new song. It's kind of like the most fun is playing a song for the first time or something, you know, like you're kind of like unveiling it. So that's mm-hmm. quite a special thing, I think, playing a song for the first time. Like the first song ever, any time anyone's ever heard it. But um, I don't know, I got off track a little bit there, yeah. didn't I? No, that's all right. What, um, what makes that, what makes that really special for you? I don't know. I guess if you believe in it, then you're kind of just excited to show it off. It's like a new toy or something like that. Mm-hmm. You're like, ooh, look what I've got. Or look, look what I made, you know? You're just like a child basically looking for approval and you hope that you get it. But you kind of, I think you always intrinsically know if a song's not that great. Because sometimes, you know, not all songs, you're not always writing a better song than last time. Which I think at the start, you generally kind of are doing that. But then I've been writing songs for, you know, like 10 years now. They're not always really awesome, but it's really helpful, I think, playing a song in front of a crowd because it can, it really shows up if you don't really believe in the song because you'll get to that part and you'll be like, oh, yeah, I don't really believe in that part. So this song really isn't finished. It's a good way of kind of like putting it under the microscope and allowing you to kind of, in some way you get to see it from the crowd's perspective when you play it for other people. And so it's really helpful in the, um, I guess, in the crafting of the song, hey. Where you just realise, oh, actually, yeah. I don't, yeah. It's just, there's a lot of believability, I think, with songwriting. You know, like, you really can say anything, but you've just got to, it's got to come from somewhere that's, I don't know, true to you or something. Mm. It doesn't have to be, like, really, like, a personal diary entry. You just have to really like it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you soon you find out in front of a crowd if you really believe in it. You're like, yeah, I believe in that. Mm. It's just fun. It's fun to just sing things that you believe in, eh? I don't know. It just gives you a good good buzz, eh? Yeah. Cool. Fraser, I want to ask you a few questions that I ask everyone that comes on the show. I can't remember if I sent these through to you or not. Oh, I don't think so. No, good. Good. Um, the first one is, I mean, we've we've talked about failure a little bit today, but can you give me an example of a time that you failed and what you learned from it? Um, well, apart, I'm just thinking of those times on stages, eh? I don't know. I think you just like, at the time it's like, this is the worst thing that could ever happen. And then, you know, eventually you're like, well... I'm actually okay, and I made it through it. So, you know, you go through things that you just totally sucked, and you know, like those times when I got pulled off stage, or just totally got couldn't do it. I don't know. I guess you just eventually build up this sort of thing in the back of your mind that's like, well, you know, you'll get through it. Mm. It's not as bad as it seems at the time. I guess. Yeah. That's yeah. The sun will come up tomorrow. The sun will come up, you know. Don't take things too seriously, you know. Yeah, I think that's all I can really garner at the moment. No, no, that's good. 
what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how did you get through it? The last uncomfortable thing that I did? Um, I don't know. Probably building this house last week, eh? I just get, you know, trying to, you know, come up with solutions to like this house being rotten that I've purchased and then this impending um, southerly front, which is meant to come and spew a whole lot of rain onto this open house. I don't know. I just tried lots of different things and I went to sleep and I started again the next day and eventually I sort of cracked it. I think, hey, I don't know. It wasn't, that's not really a, it was just a challenge I had. Yeah. I don't maybe more so than a uncomfortable situation. I, I think, I mean, I think that's, that's reasonably uncomfortable, uh, being, being in that situation. I had a terrible flight into Wellington yesterday too, eh? you know, and you're like, <laughs> oh my God. I was like, why am I even coming to Wellington? I'm, ne- I, I'm never coming to Wellington again. I don't need to play. I'm staying in Christchurch for the rest of my life, you know? You have those moments, you're like, I'm just gripping the seat. Yeah. I was just breathing, eh? One breath at a time. Yeah, some of those uh, some of those flights into Wellington. That's so pretty, hairy. They're pretty pretty challenging for you. Um, you're just sitting there. You can't you can't do anything yourself about it other than you hang on and and keep breathing. Yeah, that's yeah. It's so humbling, eh? You like there's really nothing I can do. Mm. It's just one breath at a time. Yeah, still not dead. Still not dead. Still not dead, still not dead. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do and why is that uncomfortable for you? Uh, it's putting out this album. It's uncomfortable because all of a sudden I'm going to have to be confronted with like, you know, people who are, you know, the gatekeepers of the next step really of like the musical journey and like if these people like it then that's great then this thing can really grow and if they don't then you know who knows what will happen with my musical journey so it's a bit of like buddy seems to me like a bit of a make or break eh? I mean it isn't probably you know you can always try again but it's just going to be nerve wracking I reckon putting it out there to people and being like like what is this is this really good or is it really not good at all? I don't know. I really mm. just can't tell. So, yeah, I don't know. Just putting it on the line again, I guess, in a different way. Yeah. That's the next uncomfortable thing that I can think of. Cool. Although I'm probably, in a more physical sense, I'm going to have to go back to James's house and do some paving. <laughs> <laughs> There's still another two tons of pavers. There's another two tons of pavers at the place I'm staying. And, uh, it need to be down in three hours for the party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Um, Fraser, I've got two more questions for you, mate. But mm-hmm. I just want to say thanks for taking the time to, to pop around and sit down and have a chat today. But also thanks for kind of sharing your journey and being really open with uh some of the challenges that you've you've faced with it along the way um as well as giving me kind of more of an insight into into the musical musical world and the the creative process yeah it was a pleasure well. well thank you Chris. it's always it's always interesting you know taking these times to uh delve into them eh? mm, you know yeah. these things you can spend your it's nice to go a little bit deep rather than just kind of keeping everything superficial. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we should 
integrate this into our everyday or weekly experience mm. eh, as humans, it really yeah. would be probably because yeah, you do feel like you unpack some things, eh? Yeah. And it's amazing what, like, yeah, you know, the just the act of conversation, eh? Of you actually having to articulate how you feel about things, even though you might not necessarily articulate them how you, you probably could if you really mm. thought about it. Yeah. Just the very act of it is. I always yeah, find that that helps me with my understanding of certain topics as well. Is it? Yeah. And it will in the days to come, sort of, eh? Mm. Like you sort of throw a light down this canyon, eh? And yeah. you're like, Mm. Just kind of open, yeah, open it up a little bit more every every time, and I think it's that it's that repetition of of having deeper conversations. That, yeah, that I guess that's where people have yeah, like therapists in their day. Mm -hmm. Be good if everyone had therapy, eh? Yeah, yeah, oh, I I think so. Probably wouldn't hurt. No, no, not at all. I thought it would be quite good because it is. It's also quite enjoyable talking about yourself. I think everybody probably you know in some way enjoys the act of talking about themselves as some well maybe i don't like to do it too often but since you brought this up yeah you know it's been relatively you know enjoyable yeah good um anyway i, I divulge <laughs> fraser if people want to support you and want to kind of follow along with your journey how can they do that where should they go um there's this website called Facebook, which is yeah. uh, really taken off. Yeah, just Fraser Ross, you could find on there. That's probably the best way for musicians, you know, because then you can just, you know, you just say we're playing here. Mm. Or you can um, listen to the, all the music on like iTunes and Spotify. doesn't really help me, although I'd probably get like one millionth of a cent if you do listen to a <laughs> song. Um, I don't know. Come to a gig if it's in your town. Yeah. Where are your where are your next gigs coming up? Uh we're playing in the Hawks Bay and then we'll be going on tour over summer, hopefully, around New Zealand. I'd like to go to Europe as well, but we'll see what happens with um the guitarist having a bringing new life into the world. Mm. Um Yeah, I don't know. Come to a gig. Cool. Buy an album. But really it doesn't really matter. If you like the music that's you know, that's awesome. Dance. Dance. Yeah. But do, yeah. Yeah, when your when your album's out as well, I'll, I'll throw the throw the links out there as well. So mm. you can have a have a listen. Have a wee list. Yeah. Um now the the last question's a little bit more kind of meta. So before we before we wrap this up, can, do you have any advice or life lessons or interesting facts to leave us with today? Interesting facts. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I'm not sure. Question everything. This is as much as I can think of. No, I, d I don't know. I don't think I'm very good at giving advice unless it's in a song. And even then, I don't know if I'm that good at it. Sorry, Chris, that was one I should have thought about, eh? <laughs> no, no, that's, that's all right. Oh, wait a minute. Here we go. This is an Islamic lesson. Trust in God, but tie your camel. <laughs> that's just, yeah. that was a great piece I, of I advice. <laughs> yeah. That one. Awesome, Fraser. Thank you very much for getting uncomfortable with me today. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, that was very uncomfortable at the end, but. Uh, <laughs> 
Well, there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed the conversation that Fraser and I had. I know I did. Uh, I took a lot out of it, including some nautical metaphors um, and some underwater metaphors. Uh, and one thing that probably really stuck with me is the, that life is like just running full tilt into the dark. You're not sure what's, what's going to happen. Uh, and it's exciting and scary at the same time. So thank you all for taking the time to sit down and listen to us today. Uh, if you like what you hear, again, make sure to share it out. Uh, pop over to iTunes or your other favorite podcast app and, and leave a comment and a review. Thanks as always to my awesome brother, Jeremy Desmond, who we talked a little bit about in the show today for providing such uh, fantastic and slightly uncomfortable theme music. Hope you guys all have a great week and I look forward to getting uncomfortable with you again next week. Mm-hmm.